Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. Uh, Christian rock band. I can't do that. That. Um that Hillsong stuff. I have right. to do. I have to do some uh, rock music yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate those guys letting us use that. Well, guys, welcome to Man Up Monday. My name is Jody Burkeen. I'm the host um, of this podcast. I also have my co-host here, Mr. Ben Neely. How you doing, What's brother? Up? Good to be here. Glad you're here, man. Uh, missed you last week. Yeah. But I, no, I, you did I, not. No, I didn't you either. Did I had my beautiful wife uh, to sit there and stare at. So someone said, "How? Hey, how did you like it last week?" I'm like, "It was cute." <laughs> I'm just joking. No, it was good. Yeah. It couldn't have been done any other way. Uh, yeah. Having a co-host here or somebody else, it wouldn't have been. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't for, have turned out for like Valentine's it. Day. It was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. Weird. It would have been a little weird. So I appreciate uh, taking the day off and spending it with your spouse. Yeah, and and I, did. I got to spend it with mine. It was good. We had a good time. So, hey, guys, how are y'all doing back in the back for Goza? You good? good, yeah. Awesome. Mr. Rusty? Doing good. Hanging in there? Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, we want to thank you for joining us. If you, take, if you can, take an opportunity just to share this podcast uh, as it is live right now on quite a few channels on our man up god's way channel our page it is uh, we have around 878,000 followers and um, growing every single day uh, make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel and then uh, after tonight uh, you can download this on any podcast platform uh, apple uh, podcast spotify podcast even google and amazon podcast and then uh, our podcast platform is podomatic and so if you get an opportunity uh, subscribe to one of those and listen to all the other um, podcasts that we have every Monday night at eight o'clock. And so thank you guys for joining us. Um, Man Up God's Way is an international men's ministry birthed uh, out of a desire to see men do Christianity instead of talk about Christianity. Uh, it's for, the, for men to have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ uh, that will involve um, growing in their marriage, uh, learning to be a great father, a great servant at church, um, learning to be the guy at work that people want to seek out help and they see hope in them, and then learning to have an accountable life to somebody else as well as make disciples. And so that's really what Man Up God's Way is all about. Amen. And um, we have been doing this for over 12 years, and uh, God has just, or excuse me, 10 years, and uh, 2012 is when we started, and God has just really blessed us uh, mightily over the last 10 years and has just done an uh, amazing job. So a couple of uh, marketing stuff. We have our manupmerch.com. If you get an opportunity, you can go see all of our merch at manupmerch.com. We've got a water bottle. We've got uh, full bean coffee, which is amazing coffee, by the way coffee mugs um thermoses and then coffee mugs here and got this one right here love that one uh and then my man up flag behind me and so go to check go check out man up merch that helps pay for our podcast and we appreciate every penny that you spent and um man i'm really excited today um, i am too dude. i've got uh, i've got my brother uh here from oregon and uh jason and i met um Gosh, I guess it was about two or three years ago, and um, we'll uh, we'll talk to him just a minute about the movie. And uh, we we 
hooked up that way, man. We've been friends ever since, and we've helped him out with uh, quite a few things uh, throughout the the last couple of years. And uh, I'm excited about it being one of the uh, divisions for Man Up in the future. And so, uh, Jason Noble, uh, welcome to the Man Up um, podcast, Man Up Monday podcast. And man, I'm so glad you take took time out of your busy schedule to join us. I'm so glad to be here. Jody, thanks for the offer and thanks for uh, just uh, having me on. I can't wait to talk to the guys tonight. I love uh, love just hanging out with guys, love just encouraging them, and so excited to see what God's doing with Man Up God's Way. Well, man, I appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. So um, so why don't you start off by just uh, letting everybody know who you are, um, a little bit of your uh, salvation testimony, maybe, you know, the, the, the testimony up to your calling of preaching and how you got to where you are. And then, uh, once you get there, then we'll jump into some of the movie stuff, uh, as well. Definitely. Well, the biggest thing that defines me today is I'm married with a wonderful wife, Paula. We've been married 26 years. Uh, we've got four kids, three girls, and we survived it. Can you believe Golly. it? <laughs> Um, my daughter's 23. She just got married. I survived that too, which if, uh, man, as kids get older, it is hard to watch them get married and oh man. Uh, and so she's 23, my son's 21. And then our girls are 18. We have twins. So not only did we survive three girls, but we survived twins. And so we're still here to talk about it. And, uh, those are just the, the, the bright spots of our life. And so, um, man, I, I grew up in the church. I was born I think probably I was born and in the pew the next day. Uh, my dad was a pastor and just uh, grew up in there, grew up kind of all over the place. My junior high and high school years were in Lewis and Idaho, um, where I went to Metro Ministries in New York City. And at 16 years old, they bus in about probably uh, 20,000 kids a weekend. Uh, went there with my dad who served on their board and just felt a call to ministry. I mean, God just dropped it on my heart. And um, went after it from that point forward, wow. uh, just said, okay, this, I know what, this is what God's calling me to do. Uh, went to Northwest college in Kirkland, Washington, uh, where I went to school to be a, a pastor with a focus on children's ministry. My heart was always kids and really being with them and their families. And so, uh, from there I went to Stockton, California, where, man, that place was an incredible opportunity to reach families and reach people. We said, God do incredible things Had all of our kids there in Stockton. Um, where that was there for probably about eight years uh, and then got called to the national office, the national assemblies of God office in Springfield, Missouri. So California to Springfield, talk about wow. total culture talk, you know, um, but went there, became the national children's ministry director, served there for about 10 years. Uh, and then we felt God just saying, you know what, we're going to, I'm going to shift, you know, and I love how God shifts us. I don't know if you've ever been in that season where God, everything you thought God goes, nope, that's not what I have for you. And there, I always said that. to myself, I always said to myself, I will never be a lead pastor. And that's the other thing you don't do is tell God you won't do something. <laughs> See, I keep telling because, him I'm not going to be a missionary in Hawaii. And it, so, right, you know, right, right. I'm not going to do that, God. You can't make me. Exactly. I'm there with you. You know, I mean, that'd be a great place to be a missionary. Uh, we got called back to be a lead pastor in Port Angeles, Washington. And Port Angeles is right on the tip of the Olympic Peninsula. It's a great place to visit. And, uh, we showed up to a 80 year old, 80 year old church. I was probably 29 years old, and it's like, okay, let's let's go for it. We just started praying, Lord, send us the lost, and that was our heart. That's always been our heartbeat. Help us, send us the lost, send us the broken, 
send us the people that no one else wants. Mm. By the time we got done with that prayer, we had 275 heroin addicts come and drug addicts come and get totally saved and set free. I mean, it was just a revival. I mean, uh, we had somebody come out and speak at our church from one year to the next. He goes, last year it smelled like a nursing home. Today it smells like an ashtray. That's, I love it. That is awesome. You know, I've always said I would rather have a church full of heroin addicts than a bunch of church jumpers. Oh, I'm with you. When they are on fire, holy cow, they are on. They go from one extreme to the other. And man, that Jesus extreme is good. It is. And you know what blew me away about that is we had no idea what we were praying. I mean, like we just go, Lord, send us the lost. And when that prayer was sent out, we're like, okay. And one addict came in, got totally saved, and they just started pouring in. I mean, it was like. Uh, Monday through Friday in the church office, we were doing triage all day long of just wow. people showing up. And I mean, lives being transformed and changed. Um, it was just, it was incredible. And what blew me away about it is, and you probably have seen this too, uh, Jody, is it's not what you would think a typical drug addict would be. Like, right. you know, they're not homeless. They're, they're living in these beautiful homes and beautiful places. Yes. They're young people who are just completely lost and broken. We found out two things that was so interesting about addicts in that time. One, most of them started to use them between the ages of about 12 to 13. And two, I would say 95% of them had no dad in their life. Right. And so that's why I'm so passionate about men and helping to equip men to be the dad that God's called you to be. Um, And so from there, uh, we got called to St. Louis. And so whenever we move, we make big moves, right? I mean, we moved from Port Angeles, Washington, right outside of Seattle to St. Louis. Moved to St. Louis during the Michael Brown stuff. I mean, that was kind of our very first welcome to St. Louis. And we lived up in St. Charles County and in St. Charles and St. Peter's. And again, we came to a 90-year-old church that, you know, we started kind of turning upside down and, you know, just saying, okay, God, we want to reach our community. And um, about three months in, we came, actually a little bit longer than that, we came in in June and in uh, January, on January 19th, 2015, we got the call that John Smith had fallen through the ice in Lake St. Louis. Wow. And you guys are all St. Louis bred. So, you, you know, that's where you guys are from. So, you know, I mean, right. like it doesn't get nice very often. I Don't mean, put that evil like, on me. I'm you not know, from I mean, it, might get, <laughs> it might be, it might be icy one day and 20 degrees and the next day it's 80. Yeah. You know, I mean, just kidding, but that's what no, it feels it, like. Literally sometimes. it's 70 degrees today and Wednesday is supposed to snow. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Right. Crazy stuff. As a matter of fact, we just had oh. uh, two kids fall in the same lake um, last week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what's crazy, I always tell people like January, February, 70 degree days in Missouri are not good things. No. Because you normally follow it up with tornadoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, but we, I got the call that John Smith had fallen through the ice. And I mean, we were br- brand new. They're pastors. I didn't even met John for the first time. He's 14 years old. Um, and what immediately tugged my heartstrings is my son was 14 years old at that point. Wow. And I go, Oh my goodness. I could not imagine like what these parents are feeling and what they're walking through at this moment. Um, you know, and I'd met Joyce, um, Joyce had showed up in my office, uh, probably about a month in and she was just a heap. She was crying and upset and, and she was trying to fix her family and trying to, you know, make her husband do what she wanted, wanted him to do. And I mean, like just, and uh, so the ladies in the front office ponder off of me. They're like, hey, we'll let the new pastors <laughs> crack at it. And um, I just felt like, and, and this may shock you, but, I, you know, sometimes you have to say bold things. Right. And sometimes you got to just be bold. And God dropped it in my heart when I started talking to her. And she'll tell you this story. Um, 
she I she draw God just said, tell her not to partner with the spirit of Jezebel. And I'm like, mm, oh okay. wow. Okay. And so I just dropped it on her. I go, Joyce, do you feel like you always have to be in charge and in control of everything? I go, you need to be careful with that spirit of Jezebel. And I mean, she eyes grew just <laughs> wide. And she goes, I never want to be a part of that spirit. You know, typically most people you call them out on that and they go run out of your office totally mad. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but she goes, we had just been studying that through Beth Moore. And she goes, I never wanted to partner with that spirit. And so fast forward to January, not January 15th, 2000, January 19th, 2015. And I get this call and I'm like, this is not good. I just have a feeling not good. And um, I kind of waited in my office because I didn't want to show up, you know, um, and not, and just not know what's going on. So I got the call about four o'clock that afternoon, not having any clue what had happened, what had transpired. Um, got the call that Joyce and jo- Joyce and Brian needed me down at Cardinal Glennon. Started out in St. Um, St. Joe's West, and they airlifted him down to Cardinal Glennon. And so, just um, just I, real quick, so John had fallen in the ice, and how long had he he'd been under? Well, by the time, so he was under fifteen minutes. Okay. They pulled him out an hour and eight with no pulse and no oxygen. An so a total of minutes. an hour and eight minutes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and so I get to the hospital. I find out this story that Joyce had walked into his hospital room, not having any clue what was going on. And she grabbed his feet and she prayed, Holy Spirit, bring my son back to life. And it was at that moment that every apparatus came to life on his body. I mean, and you can go talk to the wow. same Joseph nurses where there was 30 medical professionals in the room and they had been holding on to John's leg and they literally got to get his pulse. They said that the power of God went up his body so strong that it literally knocked the nurses back. Oh, wow. And I mean, it was incredible. Like every, I mean, you know, but, but he wasn't out of the woods at that point. That was only the beginning. Um, and they transferred him down to Cardinal Glennon where he'd coded three or four different times and so that's when I kind of came on the scene. And so when Joyce came out of the room with meeting with the doctor, she said, it's not good, Pastor. Like, he's back to life, um, but it's not good. And, I, and I'll go back to something, and we'll talk about this maybe a little bit down the road. But when we come, when life turns upside down like that, what do you do? Do you fall apart in fear or do you rise up in faith? Right. Because Joyce could have walked in the room. She could have looked at her dead cold son, who she had adopted from Guatemala. And Joyce, you know, the movie shows her a lot younger, but Joyce is a grandma. She was probably right. 65 years old when this happened. And she could have walked, she could have walked in and said goodbye. And I think we'd be telling a totally different story today. Right. It was at that moment where she grabbed his feet and took the faith of just a mama bear and cried out to God and God showed up. And so um, back to Cardinal Glennon, we ended up down at Cardinal Glennon and she walked out of the meeting with the doctor and said, it's not good. Every organ and catastrophic failure there was a 1% chance that he would make it overnight. When she told me that, my response back was, at least we saw a 1% chance. God can do it with a 1% chance. Right. And, um, you know, he was sloughing off. They were getting ready to do organ transplants. I mean, it was it was so, like, if you had any time to be bleak, that'd be the moment. And we said, no, we're not going to be bleak. We're taking a group of pastors in the room. And we went into his room, and we started praying two things. We prayed, God restore his lungs, get breathe your, the breath of God into his lungs, just like you breathed into Adam. And at that moment, I turned around in the room and there were two angels that were floor to ceiling, 
like on guard. They had their sword, their shield. And it took me back to a hospital room in Port Angeles, Washington, where I got called in for a grandma, for a lady who was 85 years old. She'd been in a coma. Um, her daughter called me and said, my mom has never, ever known the Lord. She's never given her life to the Lord. If she dies, she's going to go to hell. Will you come pray for her? And so I got down by her ear and I said, ma'am, like you are on the edge of eternity. I mean, this is the edge of eternity. Like if you want to give your life to the Lord, squeeze my hand. And secretly, Jody, to be honest, I'm like, I hope this works. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> exactly. really I'm like, man, I hope this works. And I felt this slight little squeeze. And within 15 minutes, the number, her numbers started going up. And as she squeezed my hand before that point, I turned around and I saw two angels in her, the same two angels, floor to ceiling. Wow. I mean, just like they were there on guard. And literally within 15 minutes, the color started coming back into her body. Um, an hour she wakes up and she says, I've given my heart to the Lord. And I'm like, oh my wow. God. I mean, the whole room was just in shock. The next day she goes home completely healed. And so I turn back to John in that St. Louis hospital and I'm looking and I see his eyes open and his kind of his shoulders come off the mat. I'm like, okay, God, you're doing something. And of course the nurses are like, nothing's going on. This is what brain, brain dead kids do all the time. Right. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I just feel like something's going on here. Right. And so we continue to pray for his brain. We said, Lord, like, like knit his brain back together again. And guys, I want to tell you something. You have to pray bold prayers. I mean, when you get into a situation like this, I think that the men have to pray bold prayers. We have to ask God for bold things to happen because he's still the creator. He still provides, he still meets our needs. And I I think there's something that happens when a man and God listens to women too, but there's something that happens when a man stands up and prays a bold prayer. Like, God, we're not letting you go. And that's what happening. These The men in the room stood up and they prayed a bold prayer. And the, and really, we weren't backing down until we saw God do something. So over his head, we saw like millions of colors. Like God was just knitting his brain back together again. He opened his eyes again and shoulders came off the mat. And you can look at somebody and see life in their eyes. Right. I mean, you know, you could just see it. Yeah. Um, that's how I know if somebody's using it or not. You can just see the light in their eyes. Um, you know, and so... I walked out to Joyce and I said, I don't know how, I don't know when, but here's what I do know. John will walk out of this hospital completely healed. And Jody, you know, because you'd lived up in that area, like what was going on with the whole Michael Brown stuff. I mean, that was all during this time. Right. And the city, I think, needed to see a miracle like this, right? And so next day I walk in and um, the nurses, I'd gone home for a little bit, but the nurses basically said, oh, no, he's still brain dead. Nothing's happened. And I'm like, I know God did something last night. I know it. And so I walked up to his bed and I said, John, this is Pastor Jason. And tears rolled down his eyes. Mm. And I said, do you want me to stay? And he shook his head, yes. And it was at that moment, like, I'm going, I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what the nurses say. God has touched this boy. And three days in, he woke up, uh, which would have been Wednesday. On Thursday, we walked in. And, you know, you got to fight sometimes for your miracle. It doesn't happen just right away. It doesn't happen like... You don't just pray one time. You got to stick in there and say, okay, we know what God has said about this. And I think this is where, man, we got to be bold, like just bold about this stuff and stand up and go, listen, we're going to stand in the gap for God to show up. And so that Thursday we walked in and the nurses handed us, the doctor came in and said, John has a raging fever, 103, 104 degrees. If you live in the Midwest, nobody has sterile lungs. I mean, everybody breathes stuff in where John went down is probably one of the dirtiest lakes in St. Louis. He took in a bunch of water. 
And the doctor said, we think there's massive infection in his lungs. Mm -hmm. And so we literally took that prayer request, put it out on Facebook. You can go see it today. It went around the world. Five hours later, the doctor walks in with a report and he goes, John's lungs are completely sterile. There is no sign of anything. And I go, well, of course, because on Monday night, we prayed that God would give him new lungs. And that's exactly what's (laughs) happened, right? And so the next morning, the nurses met us at the door. And they said, here's our list of prayer requests for today. (laughs) And literally, those prayer requests went around (laughs) the world, right? And every one of those prayer requests had been met. And then every day since that point, like every day that John was in the hospital, we got that prayer request from the nurses. Um, On Friday, we got a call from a lady who said, and, you know, John went down Monday. This is now Friday. Got a call from a lady who said, were there two angels in John's room? She said, I wasn't in the hospital, but I was praying for John. I saw two angels in his room. And I said, yeah, I mean, we've seen those. That's exactly what we saw. She said, those were the same two angels that were in my room when I was 15 years old, dying in a hospital bed. And I'm now 56. I was completely healed. Wow. And so pretty, pretty crazy. You know, when you look at that, you know, I never say there's an equation to a miracle or there's never, but it's interesting how God shows up. And so, so three days he wakes up, seven days they take the trach out. Seven days after that, the most iconic picture um, is when John and I walked out of Cardinal Glennon. He was completely healed. He didn't need a wheelchair to walk out. I mean, he walked out completely on his own. 40 days after that, he was cleared by all doctors. That's and so amazing. it really is. And that I mean, is it's a modern day, modern day Lazarus story. And, you know, I want to say this to the St. Louis first responders, to the hospital staff in St. Louis. I mean, we just celebrate them. They are just incredible. Mm. They're incredible people. And, you know, I thought it was so interesting. I mean, this story captivated the national media and they were getting a bad rap. The police were because of the whole Michael Brown stuff. But I want to tell you, they're heroes. Those guys in St. Louis and women, men and women, they are heroes. So many of you guys are listening tonight. Thank you for what you did. That is awesome. That is great. Well, I want to, I do want to get into the book and then into the movie. Um, Yeah. But when you did host the movie here, um, we had uh, all, you know, we had uh, like three or four of the guys that were actually there from the first responders uh, at at the movie premiere. Um, And that was really cool and heartwarming to see um, those those guys do that. And that was up in St. Charles. That was really cool to to see that. It was. It was. Well, and we wanted to do all we could to honor them. Just because, I mean, like the police officers were the first ones on the scene. And they went running for the ice. I mean, they were like, right. which is totally against what they're supposed to do. But they're like, hey, we're not going to let this boy die. I mean, and that was the general general feeling of of it. You know, I mean, it was uh, it was amazing, and they played a big role in it. That is really cool. So you got to Saint you got to Saint Charles. You started the you know as the pastor of this church, um, and you know one of your first major uh, you know issues in the church was this. And, um, so after he got out, what happened at the church? What, what transpired from there? How did you end up back in Oregon? Like what, what, what all happened there? And then we'll get into the movie itself. Definitely. So, um, after the fact in St. Louis, we had about 150 healing miracles. I mean, it was incredible to see that happen. And while this was being, while this story was being shared, um, it got picked up by Pastor Sam Rodriguez, who is an evangelist that travels across the country. And Joyce had heard Sam talking about it on Facebook. And she goes, she gets a hold of him and says, hey, you've heard this much of the story. Would you like to hear the rest of it? And he said, yes, I would love to hear the rest of it. And 
So he goes, once he heard the rest of it, he's like, I want to invite you guys to come down, be on TBN in Santa Ana. It took about another year to get that laid out. And we were just working. I mean, we never, you know, we never, we just thought, man, we'll tell the story to wherever we have an opportunity. Because I don't believe God gives us miracles just to hold on and keep it to ourselves. I mean, you know, and I always say this, the greatest miracle there is is salvation. And so if we can fill the kingdom up with people who just, you know, I mean, are, just completely transformed by this story. That's what our goal has always been. Um, and so we weren't looking for a movie. We weren't looking for books. We weren't looking for any of that stuff. We were just saying, God, whatever door you open, we are willing to walk through and we'll walk through to the best that we possibly can. And so um, we went out to TBN a year later. It was on Easter Easter weekend, which I thought was so interesting. Right. Um, it was 2016. And we got to the TBN studios and um, we walk in the room and there's a gentleman that is just like, he's going through the, making sure we have food. And I mean, we thought he was the green room host. I mean, it was so <laughs> awesome. Right. I mean, he made sure that we were all taking, we had 45 minutes to share with them the story. Um, and we went on and did our segment. He went on and did his segment. And at the very end, we shared another 45 minutes. And at the end of that, he goes, do you guys, I don't know if you know who I am or not. And we go, no, you're, we don't. You're not the green room host. <laughs> and he goes, no. He goes, my name is Devon Franklin, and I'm just releasing Miracles from Heaven this weekend. Wow. And he said, I want this to be my next story. And so from there, it was a whirlwind. I mean, the fact that, you know, the fact that the movie was on the big screen right. in three years, it just does not happen. I mean, from nothing to that. And so we helped Joyce write a book. Joyce wrote the book, the memoirs. And I'll tell you, if you have not, read the book breakthrough by joyce smith i want to highly encourage you there's an incredible backstory of her testimony right um all of the medical documentation that's why nobody can argue with this it, there's 300 pages of medical documentation that this is a miracle that's they've awesome. looked for six more years and cannot find anyone in the world because they're trying to replicate it they're like man if this worked for john what could we do to replicate right. that so uh, they can't hold find hold on that. just one second, Jason. Hey, uh, Rusty, make sure you find that on Amazon yeah, and put that on the put yep. that on the comments. Put okay, it on great. There right now. Yeah, awesome. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Jason. Read it. Check it out. It's a great read. Um, take a moment just to say thank you to Ginger Kaboba. She was the lady that helped us to write that. She just passed away about a week and a half oh, ago man. with COVID, and uh, so our hearts a little bit broken for that tonight. She was a great lady. Um, in our early fifties. I mean, and so mm. that's uh, that's a heartbreaking thing. And Scott, uh, her husband, if you hear this, we love you and we're standing with you. So Amen. I don't know that he will, but it's well, good to say it. Who knows? It's going all over the place. So, exactly. um, so Devon Franklin picked the movie up and Devon Frank- Franklin, and he didn't have a first look deal at that point in the process. Uh, he got a first look deal at 20th century Fox. And so, which is, an incredible opportunity for a faith-based movie. Right. The fact that 20th Century Fox picked it up, um, and even more specifically, um, Fox 2000 with Elizabeth Gabler. Right. Um, she they read a book a book a day. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. A book a day, and they they're known for turning literally literary works into movies. So she's done like Mrs. Doubtfire, Devil Wars Prada. I mean, like um, just you look at the list of movies she's done. And it's incredible. And God put her on our movie. And the literally, we went in, we were able to go in and talk to her once the book was done. And we were talking with her and we were encouraging her. And she said, you probably wonder where um, The Impossible, because that's what the book was called. You probably wonder where that is. And she goes, I read a book a day. And I go, oh, I didn't even think about it. But she goes, that book is on my nightstand 
to remind myself that God still does the the impossible oh, in our lives. That's cool. I mean, so that's a that's a studio exec. I mean, that just you know, and it really goes with. I'll tell you the whole how this all played out goes with how the miracle played out all along. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we tell people all the time, you know, we all want the big miracle and we all want God to show up. But so many times he works in small miracles, one small miracle at a time. And that's what's happened with this story. I mean, even with even when we look back about the middle of John being in the hospital, we look back and we were just like, man, God, are, like what's going on? It feels like we're stopped. It feels like nothing's happening. And God says, look back to what I already did. And we started looking back to see, like, and just remembering, like, what he did. I mean, the fact that they had just done cold water training on Lake St. Louis on that Saturday. The fact that it was Memorial, I mean, sorry, uh, uh, Jeff, no, what day was that? Martin Luther King Day, sorry. I had a brain fart there for a minute. (laughs) Martin Luther King Day, and that meant that the fire department was five minutes closer than normally. When John went down in the water, that Lake St. Louis is usually pretty much all a 50-foot muddy bottom where there's one spot in that lake that is rocky and 10 feet deep, and that's exactly where John went down. And if you've seen the movie, they have the pipe pole that they pull him up with. That pipe pole is used to rip sheetrock off the wall. And when they when they pulled John up, it was literally at 14 minutes and 30 seconds with that pipe pole. Um, within just a couple of seconds later, they were actually had divers that were getting ready to go in the water and it would have been a recovery because there's just, there's nobody that lives that long. And then we found out that John was right on the edge of a deep drop. And so if anybody would have moved at all, it would have dropped him into the 50 foot water and they would have never found him. It would have been done. And God just had it set up, you know, like when he told the first responder to step back or to move, you know, move in one step, when that first responder stepped back, that's when he found John. I mean, and so the doctor that John had at at Lake St. Louis was not supposed to be the doctor that was working that day. And if you get the book Breakthrough, it actually has the letter that he wrote. He had wrote a letter from the ER that day because he did not think John was going to make it. And he didn't want anyone else to not know that what God did was a complete miracle. And so, I mean, it was just one miracle after after another. We call it just a tapestry of miracles where God just moved in such incredible ways and even how the film came about, just the Tapestry of Miracles, the book. Um, we wrote a secondary book that kind of teaches everything we learned walking through it, which is called Breakthrough to Your Miracle. Uh, because we said, man, like we feel like God has just given us such strategy. When we, when we, because there's no manual written on how to walk through this, right? No, no, I wish all. there was. Yeah. It's the Bible. Yeah. You know, and there's times even in the Bible where you go, like, I don't even know what to turn to. It's just overwhelming. And so we, we literally relied on strategy. We prayed every day. Okay, God, what do you want us to know about today? What do we need to be praying about? Tell us what to do one step at a time. And we really took a lot of that and put that into breakthrough your miracle. Like what happens when your life turns upside down and you get that call? Cause we're all just one minute away from that one call away, you know, where wow. our, our life can turn upside down. And what do you do when those times happen? Because I think that you know, God puts us in these spots and every miracle that was ever done in the New Testament, there's always a human that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. There's somebody that God chooses to work through as a conduit. And that's what really the Lord showed me. He goes, I want to teach you how to position yourself and teach people how to position themselves to be that conduit for a miracle. And, you know, with that, I mean, when you look at like what that means, it doesn't mean that we're manipulating God for the outcome. Because you have to be that conduit and say, God, I'm going to stand for healing. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe for miracles. But God, the outcome is up to you. Right. And so, um, you know, I mean, yeah, that's been something we've 
Yeah, because okay. you literally, you know, out of the, you know, hundreds of miracles that you can see, you can see thousands of prayers that didn't get answered. And, well, and they, that, that's where they the get answered. Well, yeah, they get answered. Yeah, exactly. That's true. They do get answered, but not in the way that you want them to. And it's kind of like, right. Then, then you start looking at the sovereignty of God and you go, okay, all right. I, I got that now. That's, I think for me as a pastor, that's probably the hardest thing to walk people through when, when the, the answer isn't what you wanted, you know, it isn't necessarily what you wanted. And, uh, I just did a funeral on Sunday or excuse me on Saturday um, you know, for, uh, for a guy that was, you know, just fine one day and the next day he wasn't, you know, and he was gone. And, um, it was one of, one of our church members and at the, at the funeral, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I take a moment, I let everybody tell a nice story, you know, just to remember them by, you know, and instead of you right. know, this big, big, long preaching, this is usually a graveside. And I told them, I was like, so here's a perfect instance incident that has happened that nobody was prepared for. And so what I want you today to do is to make sure that you don't leave here without maybe God has placed somebody on your heart right now that you need to, to give forgiveness or ask for forgiveness or just call and tell them that you love them or anything like that. And those moments are so quick that, you know, you don't know. I mean, one minute John's playing on the ice, the next minute he's he's dead, literally dead. And yeah. uh, the miracle that came out of that uh, is just, you know, an amazing story. And the faith that came from not only Joyce, but you as a pastor, um, to me, was is pretty awe-inspiring. Yeah, so Jason, I have a, I have a comment and then a, a, a two-part question. Yeah. First of all, I haven't I, I still haven't gotten past the first 30 seconds when you started telling your story and to know that you raised three daughters and you've got a full headed hair and I'm bald. So but I'm not sure. So I watched I watched Breakthrough again this weekend for the second time with my wife just in preparation for this. And there's two things that stood out to me. Number one, as a pastor, when that's going on, what is it like? to witness the faith that you witness from that mother because it in the movie they portray it, it, it that it appeared she had more faith in that instance than even you even though you're a pastor and you know God does miracles and all this and secondly as a pastor normally you're um, kind of the, the the main focus you're at church you're preaching a sermon or this that and the other in this instance you were really kind of secondary are actually thirdly to God and, and her faith. And so how, how, how do you navigate that too? Well, I got to remember the movie is Hollywood. And <laughs> yeah. so, um, and they, you know what, they love to make pastors look like they're doubters. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that was one of the things I told our producer, I go, listen, like there's three things that we are going to stand because once you sign, once you do a film like that, you sign your rights away. Yeah. You have to really trust your producer. And one of the three things that I told Devon, I go, one, don't make Joyce look bad. Two, don't embellish any of the truth. And three, don't make it look like the pastor doubts. And I mean, that was the thing because we're sitting there going like, really, Joyce and I were a, ta- a tag team. And some people wonder like where Brian, her husband was at. Uh, Brian had a stroke a year before this and started to kind of walk through some difficulties health wise. And that's what was one of my big driving passions as a pastor. I go, I don't want John to wake up and not have a man here or not have a parent figure here. Like if he wakes up, you know, I mean, I want to be there for that. And so, um, 
we were we and, and this is the other thing I tell people, Joyce and I've never had an argument. And so that was all Hollywood made up uh, just to add some drama. Like you need more drama to this story, but they felt like we did. Um, and I'd never go in. <laughs> Enough drama, the little kid dying on the, okay, the table. So, yeah. So if they, I'd if, never go in and tear off a women's ministry schedule um, off the wall and kick them out. If anybody knows me and Jody, you probably know, yeah. I'd be the one going to Starbucks. So I'd be like, yeah. hey, you can have the church. But watching Joyce, um, the faith that she had uh, was just awe-inspiring to me. And it really, I mean, and I've always had faith. I've seen God do things like that. Um, and, and to me, if you know me, like, hey, I'd rather be behind the scenes praying and like, I'm good. Somebody else take the front seat, you know, uh, because to me, like humility is so important. That story is not about me. It's not about Joyce. It's not. I tell John, it's not even about you. All you did was lay on the table through the whole story. <laughs> so you can't get a big head, man. Like this is all about God. That's, That's good. I, I've had the pleasure of meeting John, and he's a he's a pretty humble kid for all that he's gone through over the last few years. And that's been my job, Jody. Yeah, you've done a good job. You you've done a really good job, and I love seeing him now married and got a kid. And uh, I stalk him on Facebook quite a bit. So. Um, you know what's fascinating about that, Jody? Um, after this whole thing, we found out that John was not serving the Lord when he went down in the water. No, he had walked kidding. away from okay. the Lord, and uh, just because of hurts, and he really struggled with an abandonment spirit. Right. You know, if anyone's listening tonight and you you are adopted, you know that's what that spirit feels like, yep. that orphan spirit. And John just struggled with that. I mean, he did not give his life back to the Lord almost for two years after this. I mean, we walked side by side with him. And I mean, like it, it was incredible to see, like, I mean, it, when I first heard that it literally sent chills down my back. Cause I'm like, that kid was on the edge of eternity also. Right. I mean, if God would not have chosen and doesn't always happen that way, but I mean, the fact that God, God brought him back, I mean, right. and gave him another chance is, did, is pretty amazing. Did they, uh, did you see, so in the movie, they, they portray the one, um, the one, um, em or the one firefighter kind of at the end of the movie you, you you come to the the feeling that he gave his life to the lord that god that god talked to him that day and and that he was rethinking his his uh theology or his religion How he never was an atheist so i mean uh but he was not serving the lord and he gave his life to the lord a month before the premiere in LA. Oh, and so, God. but oh, did you, was awful. there a bunch of people involved in that incident intimately that did do that also? Did you see oh, yeah. more than one person give their self to the Lord because of that incident? Well, I can tell you this. Um, we've seen thousands right. because one of the things that we've been able to do, one of the things that I was able to do and it, not, not me, but be able to go on the marketing team and really help with group sales where, where churches would buy out theaters and literally be able to give an altar call right in the theater. Mm -hmm. And we saw thousands of people say, but what was really cool is on the set, um, you would see people that were working for the film, give their lives to the Lord. Yeah. So the cinematographer gave his life to the Lord. Uh, we had a, a lady who was a uh, part of Fox PR who um, she came in one day and she said, we were doing, we were doing interviews. She came in and she said, I just really feel like there's a hole in my life and in my heart. And, mm -hmm. Um, she goes, I just don't know how to fill it. She goes, I've been just really, I'm 50 years old, never have been to church, never know. You know, I don't know what to do. I live in LA. And she goes, I heard Lecrae say, I tried to walk away from God, but because of his grace, he would always bring me back. 
And she said, that just hit my heart. And she goes, I don't know even how to process it, whatever. And she's talking to Joyce and I. About an hour later, she comes back and she goes, and just sits down with me. She goes, I'm not really that religious. Like, I might get struck with lightning if I entered a church. I go, oh, trust me. Trust me. I've never seen anybody get struck by lightning, and I hate religion. She goes, I go, I love Jesus, but, man, I hate religion. And she goes, that's really interesting. And then a couple hours later, uh, she came up, and she said, what do you think about gay people? And I go, well, I think it's our job to catch them and love them and let God clean them up. It's not my job to judge them, not my job. I just want to love on them and let God do the work he wants to do. And she goes, that's really makes a lot of sense. Next morning, she meets us again, and she goes, I've been thinking about this all night long. She said, I feel like there's you and Joyce and everybody, you're walking around with a secret that I need to get in on. Mm. And we were able to pray with her. We were able to walk her to salvation. She would literally become head of all of the PR for the movie in the general market, which meant if, you know, not outside of the faith market, everybody that would become me. And she told us, she said, I want everybody in the world to hear the story about Breakthrough. And so that's just one. I mean, there's been so many and just so many incredible stories. And, you know, as we've been out on the road speaking, we still travel, share the story. Uh, You you, you just hear so many different stories. One of the things that the Lord really put on our heart, because people ask, well, did John see heaven? Um, John always jokes and goes, no, I didn't see the golden arches, even though I wanted to, you know. Um, And one of the things God really put on our heart is pray that he doesn't remember and that's exactly what happened. And one of the things that John will tell you is he doesn't remember it was dark. Right. And he said, I didn't deserve to go to heaven at that point. Um, and so with that, as we've progressed and we've done the movie and all of that, um, one of the things we've heard that Hollywood has said is, you know, there's a lot of heaven stories. Um, they said there's a little bit of heaven fatigue, which I thought was kind of funny. You know, how could that ever get old? Um, <laughs> but but the fact that and we prayed like, God, what would you what did you mean by how you did this? Um, and God said, if John would have went to heaven, it would have just been his, his experience. Right. There's already stories out there like that. But the way I did this, I wanted everybody that comes in contact with the story to experience their own miracle, to experience their own God moment. It's not just about John. It's about every person that comes in contact. And so that's what we've seen. We've seen that's God awesome. do that. So so you got the movie produced. You did it in less than three years. Um, it launched yeah. when? When did it launch? Was it 18, wasn't it? It was Easter of 2019. 19. Right okay. COVID. So yeah, right before COVID. So I remember the um, we did the premiere here. So the movie is called Breakthrough. Okay. It was right. uh, it's the story based on John Smith and you and your church and Joyce, his mom, um, about him dying. You know, uh, her praying him dead in the the hospital. It was a big story here in St. Louis for many weeks uh, there was a lot of prayer vigils a lot of stuff on the radio and tv and um, um he comes out of it you guys uh you know feel god leading you to write a book you write a book yep. meet devon franklin uh the next thing you know you guys are doing the movie and then it launches in 2019 and yep. so um tell us how uh so you got the movie going you got it done uh you had some amazing yeah Topher grace is playing you uh, i thought was great um yeah he did totally. a really he did a really good job and then he's a great guy too he's he? a great guy yeah yeah when we were on set he's like i don't want jason anywhere near because we were there the day they were filming the church scene he's like i'm so nervous to be a pastor like i don't want him anywhere near it um <laughs> he actually had rewritten that part of the script and actually used that Kind of as, as I mean, he did the sermon part of it. 
And so I told Devon, I go, no problem. Like totally cool with that. I, I get it. And so um, at lunch, he like asked me to come over. And so we sit down and we talk. I told him that, you know, we talked about his family and just, I mean, talked about a lot of things that were really great. Um, and afterwards, like I go to the bathroom, he's in the bathroom and you know, those pastor mics, right? Right. I mean, they're hard for even seasoned guys to get on. He's like trying to fumble it and get it on and you know, whatever. And I go, okay, let, I know this is weird. We're in a bathroom, but let me help <laughs> get it on. Okay. So I helped him get that mic on and take it on. And let, about 20 minutes after that, he came back to Devon and he said, okay, you can let Jason in the room. It's all good. That's <laughs> so, awesome. I mean, we've yeah. connected and we've had lunch a couple of times down in LA. He's a great guy. Yeah. And so I couldn't have been. Yeah. I always thought it was funny because I used to watch the 70s show and just him sitting around the table and them smoking dope like <laughs> and right. now he's preaching. So that's what the gospel hey, does, man. That's exactly what if, the gospel does. If you live out here in Oregon, he's not the only one doing that. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah exactly. So um, Joyce, I can't think of the actress's name. Um, Chrissy Metz. Chrissy, Chrissy Metz. Metz. So I watch her on This Is uh, Us um the series that she has and and um you know for her to be in that movie and then you know you just had a great cast of characters and so 2019 you 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 launched this thing out um do you mind like is is like the budget on a christian movie is that like you know a big thing to it's talk public about knowledge. It okay was, it was it was 15 million dollars from the budget okay and so um and it did probably write it about 50 million in the box office so it was great you know, and when you think of like a film budget, um, like if it does 50 million, you cut that in half because I usually share half with the theaters that we go to. And so um, it did it did good and it did great. And, you know, got got the story out. I went to work on the marketing team uh, for church engagement, like I talked about a little bit earlier, right. which allowed us to move from um, St. Louis back to Medford, where Paula's family is from. And so Medford, Oregon, I could live anywhere where there was a, an airport um, one of the benefits of Medford is in October, November, you can walk off the plane and get a contact high because they grow so much marijuana here. So, um, you know, yeah. it's kind of one of those things. Um, so, so how so, did you how did you leave uh, the church here? So you, you launched the movie and then you started. Did you start the marketing company uh, that you're currently working with now? Yeah, we did. But okay. I started marketing. We left. We left uh, the church in St. Louis in Jan February of 2018. Okay. And so before the movie came, almost a full year, year and three months. And so we did all the marketing for the film up to when it released. Right. And so. Um, and that's how and then, we. That's how we met, actually. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so, uh, and really, like, what my what my heart is is how do I help pastors with great resources to reach their community. And so that was one of the things we saw just, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people that got, that went to the theater and God touched their lives and hearing the stories from people that were in. So that was really from there, God really put film on my heart. I mean, and, and how do we take these great films that come out and help pastors use them to reach their community? Cause that's, that's what it's all about for me is it's right. about souls. It's about reaching the lost. It's about helping pastors. You know, a movie's great. A book is fine. I mean, all of that stuff. But what I'm really passionate about is how do we fill up heaven with it? Amen. And how do we help people who whose life turns upside down? And that's one of the things God's been able to really do. Uh, and we've been across the nation. I mean, from the smallest town to the biggest town. It's been so amazing just to be able to see what God's able to do with a story like that. And the one thing you also realize, we're also in front of audiences today. So pastors, if you're listening, um, I want to tell you a great outreach is doing a movie night with breakthrough and then bringing our team in 
to do Q and A after. So I'll like maybe do the movie night on Saturday, Sunday. And you know, you'd think like, man, you know, there's everybody's seen it, but the truth of it is, most audiences we go to, eighty percent of the congregation has not seen the film yet. Yeah. And I think with COVID that really caused, you know, everybody to kind of shut down right at the time that you'd be showing that film. So, you know, might think, well, it's an older, it came out in 2019, but I bet you, you could do an incredible outreach in every place we go. Like we were just in Minneapolis on Wednesday night. Uh, John and I were, they had showed the film. The place was literally packed to the doors. I don't think there was an extra seat. And so it's a great way to relaunch and a great way to get people to come back. Yeah, you can watch it more than once too. That's the good thing about it, man. It's a it's a great movie, and it, it really just uh, it brings you like I was telling Ben before we started this. Like I, he was talking about his wife watching it, and you know she was crying. I was like, dude, I cried. You know when I was watching I that thing. You know especially when um, Joyce was praying over him, and man, you just that moment. There's that pause when she prays, Holy Spirit. You know save my son and uh there's that pause for just a moment and then all of a sudden it's like you hear the machines go off and it's like holy cow yeah the that- part I, I love the parts where uh she she te- she literally tells everybody in the room you will not say anything negative my wife's like that yeah. like i can't say anything negative about myself don't speak that out or this you know this that right. or the other and that that part always gets me it's i've seen all oh. the christian movies and the only movie that moved me more than that movie was passion of the christ yeah. other than that it's the be- and it's because it was real and i felt it was real it was excellently done yeah. like i thought i was caught up and captivated by watching god do a miracle because there's no other explanation for it right yeah it was good there isn't and i'm going to tell you this guys the power of life and death is in the tongue and i really yes. like like I can't even guys that are listening and you're watching tonight, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And we live in a society where words are not that important anymore, but I want to tell you, and what the Lord dropped in my heart, sowing and reaping is such a real principle in the kingdom of God. What you're reaping in this season is what you sowed by your words in the last season. Yes. And so I want to just challenge you with that. Like speak life over your situations. I mean, even when you look at your jobs, if you're a, if you're an entrepreneur and a business owner, start speaking life over what's happening in your business, not death. Look at your checkbook, and you know we look at that sometimes. And we go, oh, I'm not going to have enough money to pay to pay my bills at the end of the month, and we let worry. No, how about we change that and go? Listen, we are not going to speak death over that situation, over our situations, and let's lead in that. That's one of the ways we can be a spiritual leader in our homes, um, where we can speak life over our situation. And I'm telling you, one of the major truths that comes out of this story and why John, I think healed like he did was we spoke life over him. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And you know, here's another interesting part about that is the enemy might be attacking you, but he can't read your mind. So he doesn't know what you're thinking until you speak it out. And how many times are we like, man, this is going on and that's going on. And the enemy's going awesome. I'm getting them and I'm going to continue to hit them right where it hurts. Where I think we turn that back around and we just start speaking life over the situation. Yeah, the only the only time I pray out loud is in a group setting. If I'm asked to yep. pray, I pray silently all the time because I do yes. not want the enemy hearing what I'm praying for. Yep. I, I've done it for years. Um, yep. and, and no inside knowledge. Yeah, you know. I mean, yep. and and what? So what's coming out of our mouth is what's in our mind and our hearts. I mean, and so when you talk about that, you know taking every thought captive, like every thought that tries to come in and take it captive and make it obey Christ. Like 
that right. thought, you know, because the enemy's like throwing thoughts in our minds all day long. And if you bite on them, man, that's going to be what comes out. And so, uh, you know, that's another part of this challenge is like, listen, stop buying into the negative lies of the enemy over your life and over your situation and start speaking life. You know, you can, you can tell I don't watch the news because I was here in <laughs> 2015 and yeah. my kids grew up in O'Fallon. My kids, uh, they're adults now, Jason, but they went to Fort Zumwalt North which I believe is right across the street from the Christian high school. I told my wife that the other night. Yeah. My point is is. though, I had never heard about this story Mm -hmm. until the movie came out. I had never heard about it until, until you said something about being involved with it or you you had gotten a line on it or whatever. I had never heard this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We hosted one of the, uh, the premieres, you know, um, through man up. And then, um, then we went to the, we did one, uh, I think, at Ronnie's theater. And then we went to the St. Charles one with you, where you had all the, uh, all the, um, firefighters and police officers there. So that yeah. was really cool. So that's how we hooked up. Um, you, you had heard of man up God's way and wanted us to, to help you promote it. And of course, yep. you know, we, we've gotten into a kind of a, a vein of, you know, helping other movies out. I had the pleasure of writing the devotion for Hacksaw Ridge. Um, yep. you know, that we kind of, they, they did a, a weird way. They went secular with the movie and then underground to the churches, which was okay. kind of cool. Um, you know, and yeah. they, they wanted a devotion to go to it. So I ended up writing that and then, uh, wrote a, uh, indivisible, which was a military movie about a couple and wrote a marriage retreat or marriage retreat, a marriage devotional for yeah. that. And then, uh, we hooked up with you and helped promote this and, and got to meet everybody. And that was really, really cool. And so that began our friendship. Um, yeah. and then you up and leave and you go to Oregon and you said that's where your wife's family is from. Is that correct? Where my wife's family okay. is from. Yeah. She just, we felt like, man, like, let's get back to home base. We, it was a bit, little bit of a challenging uh, transition um, at our church. And so we just said, let's go back to home base. Let's go back and just be with our family. In that time, her mom passed away. Mm. And so we were really thankful to be here for that. Um, and we had always had in our heart that we were going to plant a church. And so uh, we were looking at SoCal because I'm still involved with films. Um, I'm still working on that side of things and don't want to give that up. Still speaking still sharing across the nation. I feel like that's a platform that right. God's going to continue to work with us on. And so we were like, okay, let's move to Orange County. And we started looking that out, work, looking at working it out. And it just didn't work. I mean, the doors didn't open and we just go, okay, like God, what are you, what are you trying to do here? So the movie came out at Easter and in July, we called our denominations district office in Oregon. And we said, Hey, you know what? We're thinking about just staying right where we're at. I mean, in white city, Oregon, which um, the Medford area, Medford Rogue Valley, we have about 285,000 people in the 30 mile radius. So there's a great opportunity. It's not the, one of the sexy cities that church planners go to, right? <laughs> uh, like New York or LA or whatever. And so, but only probably about 28% of the church of the cities in church on Sunday. So the need is incredible. It's listed on time magazines, um, like number nine, D church cities in the nation, which means people used to go to church, but they don't go anymore. And I'm just like, I've always thought it'd be a great place to plant a church. And so I called our district and they said, listen, you know what? Just today we had a church that was going to plant and be a partner with it uh, and use that building that had been closed down. You guys can have the building if you want it. And That's I'm awesome. like, it was very cool. And you know, 
I mean, when you look at like, we got this building and we're like, oh my gosh, it's the biggest trap heat, trash heat I've ever seen. How are we going to do this? We have no money. Like, you know, I mean, like, God, you got to help us. And so my wife said, I can't say yes right now because it's literally in the city that she grew up and it would take her back to the source of a lot of her pain. And, and we just started praying and God's just like, this is what I want you to do. And so in September, you know, amongst the travel and all everything going on, we started remodeling the building. Um, and then, so like September, October, November, into December, January, February, we were traveling a lot still. It got the building remodeled. And then in March, COVID hit. COVID hit. We're like, yeah. Okay, we had about 70 people on our launch team. And we're like, listen, like, you don't have to have a building. We don't need a building. And so we started doing park and praise out in the parking lot of like the mall here in town. We partnered with the, with some people that were doing it um, on Easter. Every church closed. I'm like, this is not what we need to be doing as a church. Like Easter, yeah. like we're not closing. So we did a parking lot service before that was sexy. And we had like 200 people. Our church hadn't, hadn't even launched. And the Lord goes like, why are you not doing something in your parking lot? You don't need a building. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's right. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> and so I had an awesome opportunity there. We started pop-up services. Um, like I'm like, COVID is not going to stop us. I mean, we're, we're going to go. And so September, we opened up on the opening weekend. There were 2,800 homes in our city that burned. I mean, wildfires everywhere. The smoke wow. was like, it was like you had literally stepped into hell, right? Um, 30,000 people displaced. I'm like, okay, God, you know what you're doing, and we're going to trust you. 300 people on opening Sunday. Um, and we just we started going for it. We've had 175 people saved. Um, the church runs about 140 to 150. Uh, and we're praying for a lot more. I mean, and so we've not closed. We've closed two weeks um, because of COVID. And everybody thinks, well, Oregon, man, they're so leftist and whatever you want to say right, about exactly. it. Come take me to jail. Like, you know where to find me. I'll give you my address. Yeah. Like, we're not closing. And it was funny because the state said, if your church is over 100, then you have to close. Well, our church, we seat 200, but we had two services which meant we had, were under 100, and we stood open the whole time. That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, yeah, you know, brings so you and I, today. You and I talked uh, right when COVID hit, and, uh, you know, just talking about your struggles, um, you yeah. know, just things that were going on, and, like, you know, crazy to start up, you know, you were asking what we were doing here, and, you know, we kind of did kind of the same thing on the onset because, you know, I've never been through a pandemic, and right. uh, the way that they talked, you know, we're thought billions of people were going to die from this thing, like in the next couple of weeks. And, um, yep. we shut our doors, uh, the, the church doors for about, I would say almost six weeks, you know, and, and we did online, you know, luckily we were already doing online. So we were doing online and, you know, saw some great online stuff, but man, you could just tell it was killing people. And so, um, about after that six weeks, we just went back to the church and opened it up and, and I will yep. never close the church down again. That's for sure. Uh, no matter what happens. Yeah. The only reason we closed was because our family got it. Right. And so we're like, hey, you know what? We're going to take a couple of weeks off and then we're coming back. Right. So, you know, I mean, um, yeah. So, so you're, you've got the church now and it's going pretty good. Uh, yep. Almost three years or two years into after COVID and you launched and um, you guys are really growing now. I noticed and it's, uh, it's really cool. And that's uh, helping us. We've taken it as a team approach. So my wife and I co-pastor, which is awesome. And she's ordained. So when I'm out on the road, like I'm gone this weekend, she's it. She takes it. church. We have an incredible team. Um, we also 
have a team teaching. So, cause I think, you know, people get tired of just one voice. So we have all of our team teaches and it's just, a, it's been a blast. I mean, we've seen God do incredible things and the depth. One of the things we did um, about a year ago is started a men's group and, you know, guys are just hungry. Um, last night we did on, on Sunday nights. I asked the guys in the room, I said, how many of you actually had a dad that modeled what it looks like to be a good father? And out of 13 in the room, two raised their hands. Mm-hmm. And one of them was me. And I go, yeah. man, the church is missing it if we're not ministering to men. You know, yeah. I mean, and really digging in. And guys, I want to tell you something. You can do this. I preached to the guys yesterday in Ephesians about what our role is. And one of the things the Lord really encouraged me to tell guys is, listen, no matter what you're facing, you can do this. You can be the spiritual leader that God has called you to do. And Jody, I love your the, the title, Man Up. It's time we man up mm-hmm. and we take on the role that God's called us to do. That's awesome. Yeah, we um, prior to COVID, I was doing about 25 uh, conferences a year. And, um, you know, most uh, statistics are right around 10% that most 10% of all churches, are, only 10% of churches uh, have a vibrant men's ministry. Yeah. And so you've got this major disconnect with men in general because, you know, the church is not doing a real good drawing them in. Uh, it's very feminized, uh, the feel of the church and the programs of the church. And, um, you know, where we've where we did uh, uh, when we launched um, our church in 2015, um, our, my focus as a pastor, my number one goal outside of pulpit preaching was ministry to the men. And so yeah. we have uh, uh, we have a a backwards statistic now. We've got as many men, um, if not more men, coming to our church than we do women. Uh, and one yeah. of the things that we're really trying to do is get you know the men involved so they are spiritually leading their homes. And what we're hoping that does is it it brings the whole family in to serve the church, not just one or two of the family members. Uh, because oh, well, if the stats hold. 93% of families will come if their dad gets saved. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and you know, I think you bring up such a good point is if the pastor is not making it a priority, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. A lot, yeah. Of yeah. No. a lot of churches I've been in, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, here's the men's ministry team and the pastor's nowhere to be found. Right. You know, and I'm like, no, I mean, like, we got to pour in and get to the root of like, man, what's going on in a guy's life, you know, not only stay here, but get down to here and really dig into that. And I think pastors, we've got to be the ones leading the charge with our men of saying, Hey, you know, and not much happens at these meetings other than just saying, we want to encourage, we're going through the armor of God right now. So it's not super intense. It's not like deep, but what God's able to do. I had a guy yesterday telling me in 25, I feel more in one year than I have in serving God for 25 years here at Hope City. And it's just because we're taking time and saying like, listen, we're going to get on the same level. Like we want to help you with what you're struggling with. You can come like none of us are perfect. Right. I mean, you can Mm -hmm. come and you can bring your stuff. And if you're struggling with pornography, you're struggling with whatever it is, like we want to help you walk through it and it's okay to, to admit it. You know, it's, it's amazing how many Christians don't understand kind of that authority or spiritual umbrella in the way it works. Every man that walks into this church needs to man up mm-hmm. in some part yeah. of their life. Right. They don't think they do. I right. walked in here. I didn't think I had anything. I thought I was coming in here to be the associate pastor, <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's not the way it nice. is. Everybody right. in this church, every man mm-hmm. 
because Jody's the pastor. They need to man up in some area of their lives. It may not be yep. as obvious That's as good. some of the areas I was, you know, but they need to man up in some way because I know every guy in our church and I love every one of them, but we all, it's that it, 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 that's the way God works, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. How Jody goes is how the church goes. How what yep. Jody struggles with, the church is going to struggle with. Mm-hmm. What Jody does well, the church is going to do well. And it's just yep. like at the home. Mm-hmm. I always talk about Jason in John chapter five. There's three or four things that Jesus says that he is like his father. We're all yeah. like that because our father right. was the. I used to think I was just like my mom and nothing like my dad. I found out a few months ago, I'm just like my dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. I want to be like my father. And, and like you said, Jason, unfortunately, majority of these guys didn't have a fatherly figure in their life. And so they have no role model. And um, the church is biblically illiterate, so they're not following Jesus. Um, right. And it's scary to think that, you know, I was in my very first church in 2003. I gave my life to the Lord in 2003 after being an atheist. Um, And, uh, you know, God just wrecked my world. And then, man, he gave me a hunger for the word. And I started reading the Bible literally every day. And within the first year, I'd gone through it once. Um, Ever since then, I've gone through it at least once a year. And then since I've started preaching, I'm not only doing my devotion, but I'm also doing, you know, more study because I'm preaching now, uh, which I have been for about 14 years. But, you know, I'm adding more and more every day. But I remember in those early days, you know, sitting around guys who said they'd been Christians for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and not a one of them reached out to help me, you know, grow spiritually. And then within a few years i'm teaching them like it was right. like what the seriously Come on. well how many people are stuck <laughs> yeah those guys are stuck right I mean, the stat is you stop growing the majority of people stop growing when they're seven years into the faith yeah they just stop and so one of the things we do at hope city is we're like okay i mean we hammer this what's your next step because spiritual growth happens one step at a time right and let's identify what's your next step you know um and it's interesting with guys we tell them to man up, but then we don't tell them what that looks like. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. We, yeah. we, we, you know, you yeah. know what happens and they is, don't know. yeah, they and don't they're like, I don't know what to do. And so they just give up. Yeah. You know, I mean, and guys, if you're listening tonight and you feel that way, I want to tell you, figure out what your next step is and then start going after that. God, what's my next step? Ask him that question. Because just, I think that, yeah, no, oh, sorry about it. Go ahead. No, I think that that's, I mean, most guys don't, don't know what to do and, they don't have a good role model. They don't, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. And so if we can help them, and it's interesting, uh, we do a marriage group on Monday night. And, man, the same guys that are in the in the guys group are now in the marriage group. That's awesome. And it is like yeah. their marriages are being rocked. Yeah. Rocked. And, Jody, I was shocked, man, when we started digging into some of the marriages. And, like, some of our core key leaders were like, wow. I mean, okay, like. God, we need your help. And they've just been transformed. Right. You know, you know, one of the things I would, I would, I would tell you to do is um, ask the men um, if they're praying with their wives. Yes. That's going to, that's going to be an odd, awkward moment. It's like I tell everybody, like, you know, the reason it's so hard to pray with your wife is because she knows you outside of the Holy spirit better than anybody else. And when, when you're faking it, as a Christian and you try to go pray with your wife. Oh my gosh. You talk about some major conviction. Holy oh, man. cow. That, you know, that'll rock your world. 
it's so funny that you say that because last year that was one of our challenges is go like because we leave our men's group with a challenge yeah. every night every you know every day go pray with your wife and do some of those stories coming back yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah. Rocked them. they're like uh you know <laughs> but i'm gonna tell you if we can get our guys guys if we can get on fire yeah it changes everything i mean like uh, it's amazing i mean you know we also challenged guys to read through the bible last year and you know most guys it's interesting because guys will go well i'm not a good reader like you know and so that stops them and i go then listen to it on your app i mean like you don't have to read it if you can right. listen to it like don't be ashamed you're not a good reader don't be ashamed like maybe guys will say i don't i don't know the prayer or the right words to say like don't be ashamed of that like man you're in a safe spot mm-hmm. and so you know it's interesting kind of walking through guys through that and just being there for them. That's good. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Buy them on CDs and listen and hear. I want to go back to real quick to what he said about how guys get in the church and about after seven years they stop growing. We talk about all the time keeping a teachable spirit. Mm-hmm. And what yes. happens with men is because we see it in man up, we see it in the community. Everybody's a subject metal, uh, subject matter expert. Right. So we 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 don't keep a teachable spirit seven years in we feel like we our lives are pretty good and we want to start teaching everybody anything everything right right and we don't remain teachable that's good just a a few weeks ago uh, go ahead jace go ahead i was gonna say i know a lot of guys who can bs their way through a lot of stuff yeah and you know a lot of christian guys who need to, to listen instead of think they know it all yeah a few weeks ago i was talking with um with some of my elders and you know God kind of, you know, leaned in my spirit and, and, you know, what, what we've got to do with our guys, and this is for, for really everybody is that what we need to do is take them where they are. And then where do they need to go? What, what is God leading them to? And then help them get to that spot. You know, you were saying the next step, like what is the next step? Okay. So, um, maybe, you know, the conversation for like pastors or disciple makers should be like, what do you feel God's leading you to? Okay. So, you know, like when Ben first came in, you know, he did, he really did think he was going to be the assistant pastor within a couple of weeks. Like he had this, he had this arrogant attitude about himself. And, you know, one of the things that I always have here is that you have to have your household in order. Like we can deal with everything. You take Titus and Timothy and you look at the qualifications of an elder and a pastor and, um, you know, there's a lot of things in there that we can grow with some of those, but the household has to be in order. Like you have to be the spiritual leader of the household. And, um, you know, for Ben, thank God he did have a teachable spirit and still does that, you know, the moment that, cause anytime you, you say that you're going to go into ministry or God has called you into preaching, the enemy is coming at you. And the place that he's going to split you faster than anything is your household. And he's going to go yeah. to your wife. He's going to go uh, in between you two. And because if he can mess that up, he's messed up the, the ministry itself. And so if you don't have that thing in order, it's really going to be hard. And so, you know, my goal um, has always been, and my goal is to get them to a place to where they feel that God has called them, but work out, you know, the stuff, um, you know, that that's in between that. Because that's not always the next day, that calling. That right. That calling may be you know, 10 years from now, you know, you look at Paul's calling, you know, he, the Damascus road rocked his world for the next three years. He spent, you know, being discipled and teaching. And then it wasn't for another 12 years that he didn't go off into his first missionary journey. Uh, and so, you know, you had 15 years before this dude even got up and started walking. Um, not that he wasn't teaching and preaching, um, 
but he wasn't doing what God had called him to do until he he was he was taught that and we've got to take our guys and 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 guys need to understand what their next step is and where they're supposed to go in that direction and we've Ben's right. You know, most men get to a place to where they're not teachable anymore because they feel like they've learned it all. Uh, but they yeah. also get to a place to where uh, they also feel like there's nowhere else for them to go. And the church has to open up avenues for them to go somewhere. And that yeah. that growth happens when you give them just enough rope to hang themselves and, you know, in, in certain situations. But we can't hold them back so much that we're not allowing them to get out and make some mistakes. Exactly. Well, and I think that one of the things that goes along with what we're talking about is guys who are broken. There's a brokenness among a lot of guys today yeah. where they're broken from not having a dad there. I mean, and let's be honest, to get to that level with guys, you know, God can deal with 90%, but the final 10% is sometimes the hardest. Yeah. And after you've been in it for seven years, I think that arrogance almost sometimes will become a protection mechanism. Yeah. Like nobody's going to get to find out the crap that I have in my life. Nobody's going to get to find out that, you know, whatever, and God wants to take you there and you don't go there. And that, 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 you know, the attitude of, of things that come up in our lives, you know, I mean, I think a lot of arrogance comes from brokenness yeah. as much as it is thinking, you know, it all. And, you know, I mean, and as God shows that spotlight on your life in the most painful areas, I think that's where guys mm -hmm. just stop growing. They're like, I'm not going there. Yeah. Like I'm not going to do it. And so I think that inner healing uh, is a big part. And listen, yeah. we're all broken. There's pieces of us that are broken. And to get to that level, I think that's where God is wanting to go in guys' lives today. To yeah. go deep, like to say, okay, every bit. Like, I mean, the issue of pornography, that alone is such a, I mean, that is huge in the church world. Yeah. And guys don't talk about it. You know, there's not a safe place to go to. That will keep you from your next step. If yeah. that's something that you're struggling with, you know, right? I mean, you've seen it. Yeah, Jody. exactly. The, the moment that authenticity goes out of the window, then you've really lost um, yeah. the opportunity to really grow, number one, and to help other people grow. Um, and I think yeah. that pharisaical attitude, like you're saying, we get to a place where, you know, oh, as a pastor, I can't let anybody know that I'm struggling. You know, that that's not me. I usually, uh, my wife cringes every time I get up to preach and I just see her, <laughs> you know. I know, too. Yeah, backing yeah. down in the back but, seat. But it allows all of us to do the same. Right, exactly. I mean, we've got some right. really transparent men in our mm -hmm. church that we get to these men's breakfasts and they're just they're, pouring it yeah. out on the table and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it's because you're like that. If you want to, if you want to know how a man's doing, look at the way his wife looks at him. Yeah. When he's yeah. not looking. Yeah. Exactly. And my my the way my wife looked at me when I walked into this church. Mm -hmm. was not the way that she looks at me today right exactly you know what yeah, i'm saying been, that, that that's was been a beautiful growth yeah and I then love that. One, just one other thing the discipleship in churches is is weak i would yeah. bet i would bet when when somebody is being or the, when discipleship isn't going is going on that 75 percent of it is is someone has a timothy there we we don't have men looking for their mm -hmm. barnabas you I was have say, to have a Barnabas yeah. in your life, yeah. especially yeah. pastors. Yeah. If they don't have elders, you know, not everybody's set up the way we are or whatever, but you have to have somebody pouring into your life yeah. that's watching, that's, that's watching your fruit. And then when you are discipling, a lot of men get discouraged because 
you you can die on the vine, mm. right? Yeah. So you the, Jesus sent people out. He sent them out two by two. He taught them yeah. and he sent them. So uh, a, a lot of times, too, men get impatient. You know, there's been times yeah. I've been impatient. I want to go do something. I want to. I want the Lord to use me for something amazing, whatever it is. And uh, so we, their their okay. discipleship is is dirty. And, and it goes both ways. There's not enough going on. And then sometimes when there's enough going on where you, you, you can still die on the vine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. By not getting an opportunity to do what it is you feel like you're called to do. Yeah. In 2015, Jason, just so you know, it was one of my biggest years in conferences. And um, I tell this story all the time, but I think it's extremely impactful about the, uh, the, the lack of discipleship that's happening in the church. I gave the example that we're all Paul. And um, we should always have a Barnabas in our life, and we should always have a Timothy in our life. And so there should not be a point in time where I don't have at least one or the other as a Paul. And so as I have a Barnabas and an Ananias coming in and pouring into me and and loving on me and, you know, showing me my rights and my wrongs and my understanding of the Bible and giving me a better understanding, um, there's a certain point in time where I'll have to go and be, you know, be a Paul uh, to a Timothy or a Titus and sharing and pouring into them and making them disciples. And so I may not have a Barnabas in my life today, but I do have a Timothy in my life. And then I may tomorrow may not have a Timothy in my life, but I do have a Barnabas in my life. So I'm never going without somebody in my life like that. I spoke to over 5,000 men that year and I asked this at, I don't know why I started doing it. I just started like the very first conference and I was so in shock. So I just started asking how many people have a Barnabas or a Timothy in their life. And I was asking, you know, groups of anywhere from 25 to 500, depending on the conference that I was at and pastors, elders, servants, you know, laymen, um, unsaved, you know, just all kinds of guys in these groups. And all year long, 2015, 5,000 guys, I asked this same question to 189 guys raised their hand. Hmm. 189. That's what I expect. Yeah. You, you know, you, you want to know why the church is going to hell in a handbasket. It's right. It's that reason right there is we don't have men stepping up to understand the word of God. You know, the excuse that I can't read it um, or I don't understand it is a bad excuse because God gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the understanding of the word and to get like i i started like the holy spirit gave me a, a desire like i the great it was one of the greatest desires that i've ever had um even over the love of my wife to to read the word like and i started reading that and i did not understand everything that i was reading however god would give me a nugget like just about every single time that I was reading, there was this nugget that I would take and I was able to meditate on or chew on, or uh, it would be something that God applied, you know, said, I want you to apply this to your life. And so, yeah. you know, throughout the years, um, that's where that sanctification process comes in that I'm reading that. Um, like you said, that there's the opportunity to listen to it on tape. Um, yeah. You know, now you can listen to it and there's enough you know, commentaries out there so it can teach you what it understands. So laziness is not an excuse or let me rephrase that. Laziness is a bad excuse. Complacency is a bad excuse. There's millions of different ways to get the word of God in you, but you have to be doing it. And then application, uh, learning it just for knowledge sake, that's not going to get you anywhere. 
You know, then you're no, going to end up being no. a Pharisee and a Sadducee, you know, standing on the street corner. Yeah, whitewashed tombs, praying, you know, on the corners, you know, with holy hands and then kneeling at the temple praying, I hope I'm not like that guy. You know, that's that's the problem with the church today is that we're not authentic. We're not open. We don't understand the word of God. We're not applying the word of God. And so if you're not reading the word of God, you don't know what God says about sin. Right. If you're not repenting of your sin, then you're quenching the Holy Spirit, assuming that you have the Holy Spirit anyway. Uh, and if you're quenching the Holy Spirit, then that vicious, you know, that that that, that vicious cycle is going to continue on, and you're not going to get close to God. Um, and eventually, you know, either just learn to sit in the church, be quiet, and not do anything in the proverbial back row, and uh, or end up walking away from the church and you know the de-churched. Um, which is starting to become a bigger number than the, the ones that are churched. Um, that's usually sure. what happens. You know, I, think, I think that one of the things that's so important for guys to understand is God deals with us in a tender way. Yeah. Because, you know, I've talked to guys who, you know, in our world, it's like, man, uh, guys can't cry, you know, whatever. And that's not reality for a lot of guys. They're, they're going through it. Their heart's broken. I mean, and like yesterday we were talking to a guy who just started coming to our men's group. And I go, have you ever asked God what he thinks of you? And he says, no, I'm too afraid. Oh, wow. I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid that what he's going to say to me. And I go, listen, dad, our God is not your dad as far as how your real dad treated you. Right. Like I tell guys all the time, like if you hear God tell you, hey, stupid, what are you doing? That's not God. Mm. That's not how he talks. He's tender. And, you know, guys, I know like that might kind of blow your mind or make you feel uncomfortable, but God is tender with us. I mean, and just how like you are tender with your children and hopefully tender with your wife. God is tender with us. You do not have to be afraid of him. You don't have to be afraid of getting close to him. I mean, look at how he dealt with David. When yeah. you look at how God dealt with David, it was, it was very tender and it was a loving, it's not this perspective of like men don't cry, men don't have any trouble, men don't, you know, that's that whole line of crap that we've been fed. Um, and, and so I think relating to God on that level is where we need to get right. as men too. Yeah, with man yeah, up, right. you know, with man up, we always, you know, it's man up God's way. You know, it's not my yeah. way. It's not the church's way. It's God's way. And, you know, manning up doesn't mean that you can bend iron or chew through steel. It means that you can have a humble and contrite heart, that you go to God in prayer, that you're learning his word and keeping his commandments um, yeah. and listening to but, that still small voice, you know, that God, oh. God, I wish God would sh just shout at me like, Hey, st I wish he would say, Hey, stupid, you know, you're, you're doing, but do you really like when he's yelling at people in the Bible, it's not a good thing. Well, I know, like, but I'm saying being swallowed up by the earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm it on the wall. Yeah, yeah. I'm that dumb though. Sometimes where I, you know, and I'm so busy sometimes it's like, I, I can't hear the still small voice. Like I just need him to yell at me. And that's where, you know, men need to understand is that he's not, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you, especially if you're in sin. And that's what the, the job, that's what his job is to do is to convict you of that. Um, right. It's our job to repent of that. And so we can have that right relationship with God and that we are getting closer to him. And um, there's and nothing. Conviction is not guilt and shame. No, exactly. It's not guilt yes. and shame. It's not like, oh, I can't believe you did this. And like, you're such a loser and you're never going to measure up. I mean, conviction right. is, hey, I've got a better way for you. I love you. Yeah, exactly. I love yeah. you. And I want you to get rid of that. And here's, yeah. a, here's a better direction for you to go. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's good. I mean, 
And so that's, and that's that tenderness. So I'm talking about like God has toward us. It's, he's like the best father we could ever dream of. Right. You know, and you know, with all, of, and I think that guys are in this crisis right now where you see the suicide rates raising of guys, mm-hmm. you see, you know, there's a, and I don't know if you've heard this, but there's a whole segment of guys from 35 to 45 that are just gone because of drug, yeah. drug use. Yeah. I mean, and like, so it's the first age group that's actually going to have a lower mortality rate in the United States and nobody's talking about it. Right. In fact, all we're doing is bashing men and like trying to put them back in a corner and guys are like, I don't even know what to do. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Men are, men are tired of hearing you suck. You got to yeah. do more. You got to do better. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's an element of that, but the, you, you've said it a couple of times. The key is the heart. Yeah. Right. So we, I've said this on almost every episode, Proverbs 423, above all else, guard your heart because out of it come the issues of life. Out of what? My heart. And yep. that we men, you- men need their hearts touched. That's why we love Braveheart. That's yes. why we love the Patriot. That's why we love this movie because men do want their hearts stirred. Right. You know, well, but- that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, like if your heart's broken, how are you going to respond? And I'm going to say this too, and this may really torque some people off, but you didn't know that you can find me. It's on the podcast. So guys that have been sleeping around before you're married, like just that alone, because the Bible talks about the fact that every time we sleep around, like it's, I mean, there's no such thing as casual sex. It takes a piece of who we are. Mm -hmm. It takes a piece of our heart because we're joined together. And some of you wonder why you're so broken and it starts there where you need healing from that alone. I mean, and so again, not pointing fingers, but I think it's understanding like, you know, I mean, there's no such thing as casual sex. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, like, people, people don't realize people, that, you know, they, they don't yeah. realize that, 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 that union that God created from the very beginning was meant to be a covenant, you know, and, yes. and you don't break a covenant without dying, number one. Um, and it's not yep. an easy thing to get out of. And so when you, you know, consummate even a relationship, you know, you, you have that one flesh mentality that's happening there that, um, you know, you do rip that apart. My wife always says like, it's a rip, you know, there's that one flesh and divorce and all of that kind of stuff just rips that flesh. That's why it's oh, so man. painful. Um, and just casual sex does that. You know, that's, you know, that's what Europe, people don't understand. Totally. In Europe, they did a study and they actually found the DNA of each person that this uh, of a woman's blood found the DNA of each person in her bloodstream. Oh, wow. Hmm. And so it's very interesting. I, I haven't got to study that much, but I think that like if you've given your heart away to all these people, no wonder you're brokenhearted. Right. And God wants to heal you. That's the thing. Not to bring that up to say, oh, you know, but to bring it up to say, okay, let's get healed from this stuff. Because, yeah. man, if you're broken and you have a broken heart from whatever broke you, and if, in fact, Jody, I bet you that's why you started out as an atheist. Something broke you, yeah. like oh, yeah. caused you not to believe in God. Mm-hmm. And like you know, it's not just that you decided to wake up one day and think that you know God didn't exist. I'm sure you came from that was brokenness, right? Yeah. So the Bible says Jesus come to restore, right? Yes. Not just the earth, but he, he has to restore us. It's not mm-hmm. instantaneous, right? It's not, exactly. he has to restore me. I always say my, my heart got restored recently back to the garden. Yeah. Right. Good. I, I grew up, Jason. I'm Jody can tell you, I'm, I'm 
there's probably not a bigger male chauvinist in a church than me. And, and how mm. God healed me for that is I grew up, my mom worked, my dad worked, my dad became an owner-operator truck driver, went on the road for two, three weeks at a time between ages like 10 and 18. My mom was the dad. My mom spanked me. She disciplined me, this, that, and the other. I did not like that. And I grew up blaming my mom, even though me and my mom have a wonderful relationship. Privately, I blamed her. What God recently showed me is, is that my dad was the one that put her in a position that she shouldn't be. And then when I, I'm like, okay, Lord, so you want me angry at my dad? And and, and the Lord said, no, I I want you to understand he came from a broken home. He was never equipped to be able to raise you like you needed to be raised. Mm -hmm. And how have you done with your two adult kids? And my two adult kids are not walking with the Lord right now. They will be. But but it's because I didn't do a good job. I got divorced when they were two and a half and nine. So how can I blame my dad? I did a worse job than him. And there's this healing right and that's just one area of male Mm -hmm. chauvinism in my life not not to mention all the others right yeah that's brokenness again it goes back to that every i mean that broken piece like the soul wounds that you receive walking through that and it's amazing how the enemy can make you look and, and you know look at something and go it was my mom it was my mom break relationship and then when god shows you it's like it's eye opening and you have to make that choice who are you going to forgive? Forgiveness right. is a big part of this. Yes. And when you choose to release, you don't even have to go say it to the other person. You know, I mean, I, I heard somebody say it well the other day, and you probably have used this, Pastor Jody, where like holding on to unforgiveness is you drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah. Right? right. I mean, like, and sometimes, guys, we have to forgive ourselves. Yes. I mean, honestly, that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. You know, that forgiveness piece is. Yeah, I was important. just talking to a guy yesterday. Um, he, messaged me on facebook i i posted something about suicide you know and like i saw that okay and i was just saying if anybody needs help you know I'm, i don't know you and you know i can do the best i can online and i'll try to get you somewhere you know just trying to you know do that well i had a guy reach out and he he just had this story and it was all it was sexual in nature uh, because he was so broken from his childhood and from his teenage years and just promiscuous living and um yeah. you know he's he's now in his his mid 50s and he's got kids and he just he cannot he has not forgiven himself and i was like did you give your life to jesus yes i was like okay so he forgave you now it's time for you to 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 uh, be transformed to to renew yourself and forgive yourself and many times men can't get past that uh, number one they can't get past the past and right. um, we have to teach them we have to encourage them that there number one there's nothing that you can do about the past it's already gone now right if there's hurts of other people in the past you can rectify those and you know by the grace of God those can be rectified um, yeah but most of the time we have to get to a place to where we're, we're usually easier. It's easier for us to forgive somebody else than it is ourselves. Um, you know, that mirror, that proverbial mirror that we stare into our soul a lot of times hurts when we look at that. But if we can get men to understand and in women for that matter, uh, that there is grace, that there is mercy, that there is transformation, that there is restoration in and through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy spirit through his word, uh, in time, you know, sometimes that time is a factor that, um, in that sanctification process, man, you can, you can be free in a way that nobody has ever 
allowed you to be, including yourself? Well, forgiveness is an interesting thing because it's a process. Yeah. You didn't get hurt just one time. And so when God begins to take you through this process, I always say it's like a, a, a peeled onion. Yeah. You peel one layer back in time because God deals with it. You make the choice to forgive. I mean, and how you know that you've forgiven is when you think of that person or you think of yourself, what kind of feelings come up, you know? And so it, you peel it back. And I mean, every hurt that God brings up in this process, I choose to forgive that person or I choose to forgive myself because of that. Walk through the process. It's not just one time. And I think we think, well, man, it's one time and it's done. No, I mean, it's a process God wants to take you through because you didn't get hurt just one time. You got hurt multiple times in a lot of situations and God just peels back. The other thing about the onion, the deeper it gets, the more it hurts and the more it makes you right. cry. Yeah. And so you know, a lot of <laughs> that's that good. Stuff, good analogy. Like, that's good. You know, you, yeah. you're like, man, this onion, it's getting too personal. I'm having to become too real. Like I've been able to hide this for too long. And God's saying, no, it's time to get that out and like get it. Get, it, get you healed up. And that's that process, you know, and forgiving is simply saying, I make a choice to forgive that person. And, you know, I think it's interesting because sometimes we say, well, forgive and forget. Yeah. Chances are you're not You're're ever going to forget, forget it. it. Yeah. When yeah. The, the, a misnomer. When but the, the feeling that comes with it, right? Like you're not, you're not like sick to your stomach when you think about it anymore. You have freedom. Yeah. Amen. When the Bible says forgive or you, or, you know, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven in the context. Yeah. Like it, it, it means literally what it says, but also deeper than that, it means if you don't forgive yourself, you're not mm. going to receive God's forgiveness, not because he doesn't want to give it to you. You're just not going to receive it because it, right. you're not forgiving yourself. And that's a exactly. huge issue in men's lives. Yeah, that is it true. Is. And the thing is, God's given us everything we need already. We just have to tap into it. You know, we tap into it. And, you know, I, like Jody, you said it so well, like you can't change the past. Mm -hmm. and the enemy's always trying to look, make you look back at the past right. and, you know, or cause you to worry about the future. And what does it do? It steals you from the present. Yes. Like that is one of the biggest tactics, guys. Like if we want to be present, we have to stop looking back in our real, the real, the rear windshield and start being right where you're at. Don't worry about tomorrow. Mm. Like tomorrow has enough to worry about. The Bible tells us just be right there. Cause I mean, how many, I like Jody, you maybe have seen it. I've seen guys that are so worried about their future. They miss they all miss of everything the right now. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. miss it. And you know, or they're so they're just wrought with regret over what they did in the past. What you did in the past is over with. God wants to bring you healing. We, yeah. we read the Bible and we get down on ourselves because we're like, how can uh, how can we ever live up to this? Right. When in reality, the Bible's written to show us that we can overcome this yeah, exactly. and driving us to Jesus. It, you're right. It's insurmountable. You can't do it. Yeah. That's what he was trying to do in the Old Testament. He was trying to say there's 360 laws, and if you fail one time, you're, you're, you're done. And he's still telling us that all these things he's saying to do, it doesn't mean he's not going to sanctify us. It doesn't mean that we don't need to strive to have less sin in our, our lives, this and the other. Totally. But in reality, we are, we have, we're in a predicament. And, and the only yeah. way out of that predicament is Jesus Christ and the work that he did at the cross. Stop. Hey, reading guys the, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Stop, guys, re yeah, stop reading the Bible and beating yourself up. Right. Exactly. And how many guys, because they feel like they can't, they can't be perfect and they can't attain, they just throw their hands up and they give up. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, they're like, hey, I give up. That's a, that's a major problem with them. You know, you, you keep, 
you said a while ago that you know they're, they're even looking to the past or they're looking to the future uh and they're missing the present and um you know we just wisdom and women and you know all the stuff that he had you know at the end of his life he looked on it like this is vanity. <laughs> this is vanity like this is a waste yeah. of this is a wasted life because i missed everything in the present i was so worried about doing everything else and um that I, I got up just a second ago to grab my Bible. I forgot to put it on the table here, but you know, one of the chapters that um, I tend to go to quite often because worry was a problem in my life for a long time. In Matthew, Matthew chapter six, um, I literally, I, I don't know if you can see this, but it, it literally is just <laughs> highlighted and uh, it is just uh, notes. Mine's all like up. triple highlighted. Yeah, Every it, color it can be, right? <laughs> well, I, mine's a, so mine are yellow. So I've got the old gold, which is the faded yellow. And then I got the new gold where I'm trying to go over it and everything. But, um, right? you know, in, in Matthew <laughs> chapter 6, verse 25, it says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as what do you put on it uh, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. There's our verse right there, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Ben and I are, uh, the Holy spirit's working on us with our food. And so we're, we're trying to, trying to make sure that we listen to him. Um, verse 26. Too, so yeah. I'll join you. There you go. Um, we, we were just talking to this today. It's just like how much, you know, food is involved in your, like, gluttony and um yeah. the sin of that oh my goodness um i'm starting to get convicted here that's another two I, hours that's yeah, yeah exactly and here i am in, my, in the back of my mind i'm hoping i get out of here before one of the restaurants close you know at the end of the night so <laughs> but, uh, verse 26 it says look at the birds of the air that do not sow nor reap together uh they do not store in barns and yet our heavenly father feeds them are you not worth much more than they and who of wow. you being worried can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the li lilies of the field grow. They do not toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothe them, clothe himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, and he will not much more clothe you, you of little faith. Do not worry then saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing for the gentiles eagerly seek these things and your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things but seek ye and this verse 33 is is ki killer um it is but seek ye first i put the ye in there that was the uh king Thank james you. version there i did that you for, went king james yeah, for me i did that for a yeah, second I, I did that for ben he did it for me uh but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you so do not worry about tomorrow for even tomorrow will care for itself each day has enough trouble of its own so that verse 33 you know there's no reason for us to worry if we seek the kingdom of God first. That's, totally. that's a major key verse there that, you know, we, we tend to worry about things when we're not seeking God, when we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to, to live in our lives, when we're not studying scripture, when we're not fellowshipping with our brother, when we're not serving the church, when we're not serving the orphans and the widows, like that's seeking the kingdom of God and all of those things. And there's so much more than just those few things, but we get to a place where I always say there's a point in our lives where we become selfless as a follower of Jesus Christ. 
And yeah. that's not always immediate. It usually takes a lot of times to get to that point. However, prior to that, you're selfish. And so yeah. when you're selfish, you're not seeking God. When you're selfish, you're not uh, reading your Bible. When you're selfish, you're not serving others. When you're selfish, you're not loving God uh, in order to love others. And so you're really not seeking the kingdom of God. And that's a scary place for the church right now because I see this as a major problem um, that we're seeking programs, we're seeking numbers, we're seeking ties, we're seeking everything but the flipping kingdom of God. Like, exactly. <laughs> sorry, I had to stop there for a second. Get a little irate yeah. here. <laughs> so, uh, hey, well, I'm with you because we see the destruction of it. Right. And it's a process. Like, I think, I don't think you, it's a pursuit. You never stop saying, God, what am I seeking? Right. Like, I don't think we ever get to that point where we can stop asking that question because the enemy can slip in it. It goes with the whole idea of idols. I mean, yeah. like anything you worship over God is an idol. Anything mm -hmm. you worship, like if it's, hey, I'm worshiping my job, I'm worshiping my stuff, I'm worshiping my wife. I mean, anything you worship over God becomes an idol. Mm -hmm. And it's that pursuit. What am I seeking after? What are you spending your time, your talents, your energy on? That's how you know what you're seeking after. For Goza, and, what, what was your uh, what was your hours on your phone this week? Oh my god! <laughs> I just threw Forgoza. That was the, the sound beep. of the bus <laughs> running over even, Forgoza. Hey, I didn't even put the beeper yeah. on. Beep. It's not even weak. Yeah, my wife like, always says, "How how's my mistress? My phone." Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Work, that's what we're doing. Off. We're doing a we're doing a a study at eight o'clock in the morning on Sundays over a book called The Training of the Twelve. You've probably heard of it. And there's this yeah. instance where in like chapter 14 this week where they, the three disciples just went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw Jesus talking to Elijah and Moses. And the first thing they do within a half an hour of coming down is they argue who's going to be the greatest. Right. Right. Yeah. And so yes. that whole that I, I, I believe and I can't teach this. It's conjecture. I believe that 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 trip up on to see that was for them because Jesus was setting them up to give them the humility message mm -hmm. because that message yeah. he gives them in that moment, other than the gospel is the second most important message that men need to learn about Christianity. And that is to be the least. Yeah. I used yeah. to want to be the first. Now I want to yeah. be the least. My calling went from wanting to preach to outreach Right. My God yeah. just rocked my world through all that. And then one thing I think we need to encourage the men in the church is this. Sometimes when you're new coming into church, you can feel that feeling of shame and that you're never going to get it because Christians are real good about sharing the Paul side of their testimony. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. What we need and to I do more like is we fun. need yeah. we need to share the Saul side of our testimony, because when you read the Bible, every time his name came up, the, the, the guy that didn't want to go get him. It was about who he was. Nobody talked about who Paul became. Right. The Saul side of yeah. your testimony is where the goods are. The, right. Our family should be the easiest people to turn yeah. on to Christ because they should see a change in right. us that only Ooh. they know happen, Preach. right? Mm -hmm. So preach yep. the Saul side of your testimony to these men. That's why we love to get right. the new men in the breakfast first, yeah. first, because we know someone's going to say, I was a thief. I was addicted to porn. Yeah. I was this and God, re and they're going to be like, you know I'm what? The, I'm not the, the only way. one in here, yeah. bro. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, the, you know, the great thing about a testimony, especially the Saul side of the testimony is when you get up to that salvinic 
day, that day that you got saved, that you were born again, that you know exactly when it, now you can say, this is what God did. Like I, here's what I did. I did all the stupid stuff and then God did this. And then from here on out, it's all about God. You know, that's, that's what, that's what, that's the cool thing about a testimony is that you're able to do that. Isn't it Hebrews that says without the, there, there is no testimony without the death of the testator. You don't have a testimony until you become a new creature. Right. That's good. Anyway, go ahead, Jason. Sorry. I was going to say F-bombs and all. I mean, those guys coming in there are just getting newly saved. I mean, that's my favorite part of it. Just like, not, I mean, not my favorite. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, they're just wrong. They're yeah. like, man, like, yeah. you know, it's just And so just great. watching them trying, you know, like, I love watching them grow, too. It's like, they, yes. they, they start thinking, okay, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say this. And, you know, like, when it comes to cussing and stuff like that, I love watching them grow in that. So yeah. we had a bass player at our church in Port Angeles. I went to his house. He was like a 55-year-old guy. I went to his house. I pulled him out because I'd heard he was you used to go to church, you know, whatever. And literally, I went to his back room and I said, you know what? You're going to church. We're going to get you cleaned up. You're going to church. And so all of a sudden he gets up on the stage, you know, about a month later, he starts playing the bass. And I had one of my church members come up to me and go, well, I don't think he should be up there. He's growing marijuana in his house. And I kind of wanted to go, well, what are you doing in yours? Well, <laughs> um, well let's so, go to your house. Yeah. Call him out. You need to call him out. And so I go, no, God's so much better at that than I am. Right. right. And so he, he's up on stage. A month later, he comes up to me and he goes, pastor, the weirdest thing happened. All my plants, because he's grown up medicinally, all my plants got this weird fungus and died. What do you think I should do about it? And I go, I don't know. What do you think you should do about it? And he's like, I got to pray a little bit more. I just got to pray. And so another month came along and he just was getting close to Jesus. I mean, and he comes up to me and he goes, I was praying the other day, but this is a month later. I was praying the other day and just rough as can be. I mean, just, you know, I was praying the other day and I felt like the Lord told me I needed to go in and kill all of my plants. Like that's keeping me from Jesus. He did it and it changed his life. It wasn't my job to clean him up. Right. Right. I mean, and that guy was on fire, best bass player. I mean, love the Lord, and I'm telling you, when we let God clean it up, man, it is amazing. Well, and yeah. the disciples yeah. fell into that trap, too, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Remember when they told the, the people, hey, get out of here. You're not one of us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was oh. like, what are you talking about? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. We're like that. Yeah. The, the definition like- of sin is to know right and do wrong. If you speed, mm-hmm. you're sinning. So stop yeah. calling out everybody. That's, not, that's a that, that's a horrible Jody's analogy. A, horrible Jody is a habitual speeder, Jason. That, yeah. Just so you know. That's so a, I always do that horrible. to try to convict him. <laughs> so I do want you know, to interject. Funny is every one of those disciples were so squirrely. They're like oh, 19, 20, yeah. 21. Like I always go the three that Jesus loved and kept him close. Do you remember back in school when the teacher kept the kids close because yeah. they were always getting in trouble. Right. I think that's probably why I was Samuel, you want to say something? Yeah, I did want to interject real quick. Uh, we got about 15 minutes left, and I wanted to okay. give you a chance to say, you know, what's coming up for you? Uh, if people are, are curious about, one, where to find you, and then what do you have coming up, and uh, where, can we, where can we find more about you? Yeah, definitely. So the website go to is BreakthroughToYourMiracle.com. Uh, you can find more information. We're speaking across the nation. If you'd like to have us come to a movie night, love to be a part of your church, what you're doing. Uh, you can find out all the information there. Uh, Breakthrough and Breakthrough to Your Miracle. You can buy the books there. Or you can buy them online at Amazon.com. You can listen to them. Um, we are working on a new feature film 
uh, called Reagan. It's a biopic on Re- Ronald Reagan's life, his whole spiritual journey. Dennis Quaid is playing Ronald Reagan and tearing it up. <laughs> I mean, it, I promise you, you're going to love it. It goes from his birth to uh, his death. And it just shows you what God can do in a guy's life when he understands his purpose. And, I mean, it is incredible. You can go to ReaganMovie.com to keep up with that. It'll be in theaters um, next year, uh, uh, early next year. So we're excited about that. Going to be working on that. And just, man, that's the best way to get connected with me. And I'm on Facebook. I take anybody. And so I want to be your friend. I want to challenge every guy on here. If you walk away with nothing else tonight, walk away with the idea of how important it is to find a friend. Mm-hmm. Most guys don't have one friend. And men walk away with just learning that how to be a friend. Do you? Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's good. So are you, you're coming to St. Louis March 10th, correct? Yeah. How, yeah we'll how, be in St. Louis. How long are you gonna be here? So we'll be actually we're going to speak at the Columbia um, in Columbia, Missouri, at their their big men's conference. Okay. So we'll be there. Uh, John and I'll be there, and then um, there I'm here during that weekend, and then I'm off. So March is going to be a busy busy travel month but are, are you um so you're going to be there for the weekend and doing the breakthrough stuff there at the conference yeah, friday, okay. saturday. friday saturday friday saturday we have sunday open so um well let's let's try to do something sunday then okay let's uh, let's do the breakthrough movie uh here i love it let's do it do you want to do that on sunday afternoon what time are you leaving are you leaving monday yeah, we're probably if we could do it Saturday night and then do church on Sunday, and then I have to take off to Orlando on Sunday. Oh, that'd be afternoon. perfect. Yeah. All right, let's plan on doing that. I'll uh, I'll yeah. email you when we get done here and remind you. Yeah, I'm so, so glad it's yeah, March 10th because me and my wife are going to be in Waco the first through the through Sunday the sixth. We'll so back, okay, I won't okay, miss good. you. Yeah. Well, it'd be yeah, so it'd be March 13th. So that yeah. that's Sunday 13th. Okay, so we'll do the 11th. Um, Saturday night for the movie and then Sunday preach on that Sunday. Yeah, I love it. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Awesome, man. All right, and man. If, hey, if you ever need a if you ever need a men's uh, conference up at your church, I know a few guys. <laughs> I think we should do it. I'd love to go on tour with you guys doing men's conferences yeah. across the U.S. I love men, love guys, love pouring into them, and man, it's been an honor tonight just to be able to share. It, so it's been awesome to you, man. We'll be praying for you and your church and, uh, man, just the ministry that you have going on right now. I'll be praying for your men in the church and, uh, the families and man, just keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad that God put us together and, um, Amen. we'll be, uh, and we're going to do stuff together with man at God's way. Yes, exactly. So, like, so I'm really excited about that. We want to, we want to get in the movie, you know, not in the business, but we, you know, we've got a, a social media reach that um, I think a lot of, uh, you know, movie studios could um, possibly use, uh, especially in the faith-based realm. That's really what we want to help promote those as much as possible. And uh, you and I are going to work on that. I'm excited about that. Yeah, definitely. 100%. That's going to be cool. I'm excited about that. Super excited. Jason, God bless you, man. It was great to to get to know you a little bit better tonight. Awesome. God bless you guys. And I thought, first of all, I'm like two hours, but man, you get three preachers together. And <laughs> yeah, we fill it up. It, it went quick, didn't it? That was good, man. I appreciate it. Well, we're going to let you go and get back to your family. Right. We're going to close this up here in about 10 minutes. And um, we love you, brother. I'm excited hey, for love you. you too. And thank you guys. We'll talk to you. All right. Talk God to you. God bless. Bye. Bye.
All right. Well, that was Jason Noble from uh, Oregon at Hope City Church. Uh, make sure that you go and check his Facebook page out, Jason Noble, Hope City Church out of Oregon. Um, the Breakthrough movie, again, um, and it was one of those, it just rocked my world. That was a really yeah. good movie, the way that it was done. Um, you know, Christian movies are getting better and better. They've had a lot of struggles over the years just trying to compete with Hollywood. And all of a sudden, Hollywood has come in and started putting some money behind um, a lot of these faith-based movies, and it's been good. Yeah, it's going to be it's a great movie. Yeah, it is. I can't wait to see the Reagan movie. That's going to be yeah. cool. That's going to You be had good. me at Reagan. Yeah. I don't even, like, I don't even, the fact that it's focusing on his Christianity and his walk is just cherry on yeah, top. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And he's, Dennis Quaid, too. I like Dennis Quaid. He's so. going to be good. That was, that's a good casting. Yeah. And he just played, um, um, Dick Vermeil. Yeah. Then he played Dick Vermeil yeah. in The American Hero. And then he played, uh, what's his name? Was it, what's his name's? Who played the dad in the uh, casting crowns? Oh yeah, no, it was no, it was. I can only imagine. Mercy me, I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. That's yeah. it. He he was the dad in that. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, hey, I, hey, that's awesome. I'd love to get him on the podcast. Yeah, speaking Please. about weight, Dennis Quaid is ripped. Is he? You ever seen that? That he's like what 65, 70 yeah. years old. Ripped, he is huh? ripped. That's awesome. He looks like Fragosa. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old, old for goes. Oh, yeah, old, old for goes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, next week we have uh, Jason Smith, pastor of Latitude Church out of Newborn, North Carolina. And then after that, we have retired Lieutenant Colonel Chaplain Jerry Owens. I'm really excited about both of those. Um, Jason Smith is a pastor that I met probably about five or six years ago. Uh, his church, it, they just moved to a new building. We did a man's, man, up, man up conference there. Um, and just lives were changed. It was a great time. My life was changed, and we've been friends ever since. And now this church is just continuing to blow up, so we're going to have him on here. And then uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Chaplain Jerry Owens was my professor in my last class. And uh, he and I got to, you know, we were both in the military, and so we got to talk, you know, war stories and um, just had a really good time. And, and he started telling me some of his stories, and I thought, man, it would be great to have him on the podcast because – the, the stuff that he was going through while he was in the military, I mean, you were in the military, yeah. you know, you either have the guys that are gung ho and military guys, or you have the ones that are just deadbeats. They had no idea they, what they were getting. themselves. Exactly. They were going to getting in the military for the college. They just gotten away, home, right. gotten away from home. That's right. You know, they could get out and drink and party and act stupid. And, um, he's just got some really good God stories about men and women that were just, you know, at the end of the ropes, um, yeah. in, in the military. And so that's going to be a really good one. And then, uh, we've got some, some good stuff coming up in March, uh, and April. I'm really excited about Yeah, it. The military is hard on families without mm -hmm. getting, you know, going off on a rabbit trail. Yeah. It's so hard on families that if you do, you know, 10, 15, 20 years and you're getting deployed, yeah. it didn't happen to me, but I, I, I yeah. watched it. Because yep. I was in during the first Desert Storm War, and we deployed yep. a bunch of people. They wouldn't deploy anybody married because they didn't need that many people going from my base in Alaska. Right. But the people that did get the deployed, I mean, it's it, it it's hard. Yeah, it is. It is. I I really appreciate our military folks out there. Um, you know, those especially those lifers um, that are doing it full time and. Um, and it's just it takes a it takes a lot and it's a big sacrifice and we appreciate all that you guys do. So, well, any last comments from anybody? P 
peanut gallery back there. Yeah, we're all good, good back here. Y'all are all good. Oh, I right. forgot to I forgot to ask him if he was really addicted to the Bachelor or whether that was just for. Oh yeah, time. I forgot about that. So I, yeah. I I forgot to put that in there at the end. But that's funny. Uh, yeah, that, that was good. Yeah. So uh, again, thanks for Jason Noble joining us. The breakthrough movie. Make sure that if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's a great Christian movie. Really great. Um, and it just it just makes you want to pray big audacious prayers. Yes. And if you can learn to pray big audacious prayers and watch God show up and show off, um, it would definitely build your faith. Yeah, uh, guys. And if just real quickly, if you're uh, if you're sitting there tonight going, well, I do pray big audacious prayers, and I think my my prayer life is fine. I would tell you that it's probably not. Uh, I remember better. a couple of years ago, Jody uh, suggested that we read a book called Moving Mountains. And I would suggest that book uh, mm-hmm. to anybody to read, and it will change your prayer life, yeah. and it will show you that you're not your prayer life probably isn't what it can and should be. That's good, amen. Well, guys, we want to again thank you. Uh, make sure that you share our podcast tomorrow. You'll be able to download it on any podcast platform. Um, and next week we have Jason Smith, pastor of New Bern uh, Latitude Church in New Bern, and we'll see you at eight o'clock next Monday night. God bless you guys, and have a great night. You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.